This is not appropriate for a baby. Yeah, like, like I don't know how child development works. Maybe the kid's not making memories yet. I feel like two hours of, like, gratuitous terrorism gunning down people in a hotel is, like, not good for a baby. Yeah, I know. It can't be good for a baby. It's, and, it's barely good for adults. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 554 with a review of Hotel Mumbai. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And for joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, this week, already in your feeds, you will have heard a review of Dumpo. So if you skip that, you might want to go check it out. Uh, we may or may not have fun with that uh, already. Um, if we can peel back the curtain a little bit, we are actually recording that episode after this one, but it'll be released before this one. Mm-hmm. So that's the fun magic of podcasting. Yeah, I'd rather editing. be more sober for Hotel Mumbai than Dumbo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I mean, technically, we could watch them in reverse over, and we would become more sober. That's um, true. But uh, for better or worse, we are going to do that review first, so we can have that there. Um, but you're already listening to this, so I don't know why I'm telling you that. Um, it's starting off real great. Time travel. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have any questions to lead into, uh, have you stayed at the Taj, Stephen? I, I have not stayed at the Taj, but I did, so I did a trip to India with my girlfriend this December, and I stayed at, like, a bunch of the other types of hotels they mentioned here, so I didn't go to Mumbai, but I went to Kakata and Delhi and Agra and other places, and I, one place I stayed at is the Oberoi Grand uh, and I checked, there is no relation between that hotel and Chef Oberoi, who's in this movie, but the Oberoi Grand was also in the 2008 Mumbai, like, attack. It just wasn't one of the hotels that they featured in this movie. Gotcha. So it it was kind of, like, it added a little extra layer of, like, ooh, wow, this feels, like, familiar. Yeah. Um, it it also so when I went all of the fancy hotels they would have uh, metal detectors when you enter okay. and I would bet you anything that like came after the uh, two thousand eight attacks yeah so that that was an interesting thing um I, I have two topics we can talk about as pre review bits because I maybe <laughs> don't want to corrupt the review with them one I want to start with uh, I want to hear from you am I a bad person or not um. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, the answer is yes. But yeah. so, so you and I use AMC A list yep. uh, to get reservations, and I saw both movies uh, this weekend at an AMC. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so this time, I, I reserved kind of at the last minute Hotel Mumbai because I, w- I was going to see another movie, and then I flipped the order at the last minute. Um, and all that was left was a really terrible seat, like one seat. It was a small theater. It was way in the front on the far right side, but okay. it was the only one, so I took it. Why not? And I told myself, like, okay, remember when you are, like, when the showtime is about to start, check again, because maybe one will open up, because assholes probably review, like, they reserve a seat, and then they change their mind at the last minute and don't go anymore. Yeah. So I didn't remember until, like, at the exact showtime. Uh, So I saw there was a free seat that was two rows back, dead center. It was way better, like, way better seat. But there is no way to change your seats with AMC A-List. And after the showtime begins, so trailers started, you cannot cancel anymore. Okay. Oh, you mean like it literally you opened the app and it I was the app now available. Yeah, I opened the app and checked. Yeah. It was available. So what I did was... Took the I, seat. <laughs> I, I took the seat and waited for the seven-minute timer 
like I never checked it out, and I did that four times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> like you just kept I clicking kept on clicking the seat, it, but not buying yeah, it. Yeah, to make sure that nobody else could take the seat until the movie had been like for ten minutes, and then I knew like okay, now I'm safe. <laughs> Nobody's going to come in and take it. So I ask you, was that wrong? Because technically, someone at the last minute could have been like, "Oh, are there any seats left?" And they would have seen the answer is no. So, so here's the thing. Yes, it was wrong, but not for the reason you're asking me. Oh, wow. It is wrong because this required you to have your cell phone out <laughs> during yeah, the film. There was only a single click during the film. And it was very, I, it, it, it's literally like back forwards. Like it's super easy. I, I didn't even have to look at anything. <laughs> so let, I hear you. So, so given, if we, if we can pretend that. You did not disturb anybody while doing this on your phone. I, well, I definitely um, didn't because the guys on either side of me were like literally texting the whole time. <laughs> okay. So then then maybe you weren't disturbing anybody. And but, it, it was like the first three minutes of the movie that I did it. Like the credits were still coming up. Yeah. Well, in the order of operations, the first thing <laughs> was using your phone in the theater. The second thing is I think given this circumstance, that seat was probably not going to disappear. Mm. Like chances are – there wasn't like a singleton coming to the theater to go see this film, right? Yeah. Like so, I think, I think you were probably okay. It was a little shady, mm-hmm. but I don't think you're a bad person for doing now, now, it. Now, would it have been better for me to sit there and wait? Because I didn't want to wait and see if it filled up. Because other people who were in the very front were definitely roving around. Like there are always people who are sneaking into the theater who don't have a seat. So I didn't want to wait and let one of those people take it instead yeah, yeah. of me. But yeah. I also didn't want to sit there without knowing that it was blocked because I don't want to be, like, worried at any moment that someone's going to come up in the middle yeah. of the movie and tell me that I'm in their seat, you know? And you were, in good faith, attempting to purchase that ticket. Yeah. Um, and you were trying to free up your previous ticket. I so almost you... texted and asked if you could reserve it for me, like, if you had an extra. <laughs> <laughs> See, that could have actually worked, mm-hmm. um, though it depends. But then you would have burned your extra because you can't cancel after the movie starts. Yeah, yeah, but I – so it would only affect me if I had already seen – if I was trying to see a third film mm-hmm. this weekend, which I wasn't. Yeah. Um, so interesting conundrum you yep. had there. I think I think you're okay. You the, the moral is AMC should have a change seat option on your reservation instead of cancel and don't cancel. Well, I mean, think about it. You are quite the edge case. Like it was literally a completely full theater and then one freed up. You, yeah. you probably could have walked out to the front desk and said like, hey, when I booked it, it was fully free – um, can you please switch my seat? And they probably would have just done it for you. Mm. Um, so that would be the quote-unquote best way to do it. But Theater 13, which you... No, 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 sorry. Which, which theater? Were you in Theater 4? Yeah, Theater okay, 4. Yeah, yeah. So that was right next to the desk. You yeah. could totally have run out in enough time and be like, quickly, can you say the money? Um, and it probably would have been fine. Mm. Yeah, okay. Well, but it's not just an edge case because I also had it a few weeks ago where I was next to a very, very, very loud group of people and I like I liked my seat, but I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna sit somewhere else." Yeah. And at that moment, if there had been a change seat option, it would have been way better than me like finding a place and waiting for someone to tell me it was their seat and then continually moving. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Anyway, okay, you you answered one question. Number two, <laughs> I hear you had a uh, a subpar viewing experience. <laughs> um, yes, I had. Uh, I, I feel like you're setting me up to one up me, um, but. For me, I was sat next to an old woman mm-hmm. who was not um, was not prepared at all to watch a film with um, obsess not obsessive uh, <laughs> excessive 
terrorist activity happening on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I, I honestly have no idea what she was doing in the theater. Yeah. Um, but this is a, an older woman, um, bless her soul, <laughs> who came into the theater late. Yep. Struggled a lot to get up up the stairs. Stood in the seat next to me as she slowly took her jacket off and put her bag down, and then slowly sat in her seat, and then slowly fucking played on Instagram, mm-hmm. and then sat to see the movie. And Instagram, that's a surprise, actually. Yeah, she, I, well, I mean, think about Instagram because she was a grandma. <laughs> um, but uh, um, gotta get the jokes out early. <laughs> Uh, but no, so basically every single death in this film, whether telegraphed or not, whether a surprise, whether gratuitous or not, both legs, both arms in the air. Whoa! Oh, oh, oh. Just she just was not prepared for this. Now, film now there's all. a moment in this film where an elderly woman who is racist expresses some things. Was she making any like affirming noises during that part? <laughs> she, mm-hmm. she did not say mm-hmm or anything like that. Okay, so I'll meet your old lady and raise you a baby. Oh, no. Yeah. When this movie started, I heard, at the, while like while it was beginning, I heard the cries of a baby. I was like, this must be in the movie. N- nobody brought their fucking baby. But they did. There was a baby in this movie the whole fucking time. And nobody even like thought to go like, look. This is not appropriate for a baby. Yeah, like, like I don't know how child development works. Maybe the kid's not making memories yet. I feel like two hours of, like, gratuitous terrorism gunning down people in a hotel is, like, not good for a baby. Yeah, I know. It can't be good for a baby. It's, and, it's barely good for adults. Yeah, and I was, I was, like, so angry when I realized there was a baby in that theater. Like, I don't know what your reasons are, you know. Maybe you can't afford a babysitter, whatever, but you didn't need to see Hotel Mumbai tonight. Like, yeah. it isn't like this is like a big... <laughs> Arguably, you might not need to see Hotel Mumbai ever. Yeah, it, but... it's not like a big event that like, oh, you had to see it, everyone was talking about. Like, just don't fucking... Go see Dumbo, you know? Like, yeah. see anything else. Oh, God. Yeah, maybe they thought they were seeing Dumbo. I, I couldn't... I, the moment the kid cried, I was like, I'm going to tell Chris about this. <laughs> they were like... We were going to sit in the front to be quiet, but this jerkwad took the seat, I, and then we tried to get the other available seat, and somebody took that, too. I, like, I, look, I looked around to get like confirmation that this was fucking crazy, and then both other people were on their cell phones, so I was like, fuck uh, everybody in this movie theater. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like good. I mean... Feels, feels good to get that off my chest. W- without going into too much, much spoilers, this movie's not appropriate for babies. No, no, no. Definitely I can, not. I can stand behind that. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's the official stance of the Spoiler Warning Podcast. I, I mean, there's a reason when you have, like, little kids in movies that have horrific stuff, people go to great lengths to say, like, the way they filmed it, the kid wasn't in the room at the same time as other things, the kid yeah. doesn't know what they were doing. Don't bring a baby to this movie. No. And without going into too many spoilers, there's a baby in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, at the very least, the baby might be able to imprint and watch activities and... Maybe go like, oh, that baby. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, what do you say we get to our review of Hotel yeah, Mumbai? Yeah, let, let, let's do it. All right, we're going to listen to the trailer for Hotel Mumbai and then come back and give you a review. Bye. Goodbye. Welcome to the Taj, home to statesmen and celebrities for over a century. Wow. Remember always, here at the Taj. Thank you. We hope you'll have a good stay. Guest is 
Oh, look at that. Amazing. There's a whole other room back here. Let's move. Understand there's been an attack and we're not safe. Switch off the lights. Under the tables. Terrorists have laid siege to the landmark Taj. With as many as a thousand guests and over 500 staff trapped inside. We should try to gather whoever we can. Many of you have families at home. There is no shame in leaving. I've been here 35 years. This is my home. You don't know how many there are, where they are. Local police are simply not trained to deal with attacks of this magnitude. So that was the trailer for Hotel Mumbai. Um, it is a dramatization of real-life events that happened in 2008, um, where a group of terrorists attacked several um, different major tourist like locations in Mumbai. And uh, it is kind of the story of the people who are held up in this hotel known as the Taj and what they do to try to live through these horrible attacks that are happening. Uh, Stephen Miller, what did you think of Hotel Mumbai? <sighs> I, I feel like really like uncertain of how I'm supposed to feel with this movie. And I, I think it's similar to like the Paul Greengrass movies like United 93 and 22nd of July. Um, it, it's this feeling of like taking a thing that was like fairly recent in history that was like very tragic and violent and making making a movie about it that is paced and shot in an intense dramatic way that keeps you on the edge of your seat it like the premise alone i felt kind of gross about this movie and i i like i feel like it's like fairly well made it's like fairly well acted like the people in it i think are pretty good at playing the roles i think dev patel is really good Army Hammer and uh, Nazanin from Homeland. I don't know how you pronounce <laughs> her name right. Uh, like they they sell their roles very well. Like I think the movie definitely like had me on the edge of my seat the whole time. But the whole time I was watching it, I was just thinking like, why am I here? Like 
what the what the fuck am I doing in this movie theater? Like there are, and especially the so the way it begins. This is not a movie that gives you a lot of reprieve or anything at the beginning. This is a movie that the opening shot of the movie is terrorists from Pakistan on a boat arriving and setting up their guns to begin this attack on the city of Mumbai. Yeah, and. Like, from then on, it is just kind of nonstop, like, mowing into innocent people at a train station and, like, gunning down people at a restaurant and gunning down people in the lobby of a hotel. And it – like, the reason I feel conflicted is, like, maybe if these events were ones that, like, shook me, like, if if it was, like – a national thing that I experienced, maybe there'd be something cathartic in, like, putting it on screen and showing me the, like – how dark those days were or praising the the heroism of it. But there aren't specific heroes in this movie either. Like the, the guests, at least as we've discussed off, like off mic are all fictionalized. As far as I can tell the staff, at least Dev Patel is completely fictionalized in this movie. The chef is the only like real person in it. And it, I, I don't know. It, it feels so weird because like, I, I want to, like, criticize it on the decisions certain characters make in this movie, but then I don't know, like, do I even want to, like, nitpick that when it's, like, an actual fucking thing that killed a lot of people? I, I just felt really, really, really weird watching this movie, and I didn't know, like, what am I supposed to feel? Because I'm not rooting for people. Yeah, I'm not taking joy from the bloodshed. It is very, very, very relentless in its, like... There are at least like 25 solid minutes of this movie where no one has any hope and it's just gunning down people while they're running. Yeah. And there, there was a moment that I thought was really indicative of the like contradictions of this movie. It, it happens kind of early in when the the terrorists have arrived and they're in the lobby and they've shot at everyone and people are freaking out, right? They're hiding behind things. They're trying to survive. They've run away, and Army Hammer is starting to like sneak out for the first time because he wants to be reunited with his kid. And he turns and looks, and there's another guy who was, I think, a hotel staff member, an Indian guy who he, is. He like, might have just been a guest. Yeah, he might have yeah. been a guest, but he like gives him a look and starts to sneak away in a kind of like semi-exaggerated sneak. And my audience like fucking laughed when he was sneaking, like. They laughed, and then he got gunned down five seconds later. Yeah. And the, I don't really blame my audience. It's like I, nobody so, knows what to do in, in this movie. I, I, so I think that – so that this film this film attempts to deal um, pretty on the nosely in a lot of s- spots with, like, racism. And, mm-hmm. like, all of the characters who are tourists have their assumptions about the groups that are attacking and other people that may or may not look like them. And I think that part of the humor in that moment – may stem from the fact that it's not clear whether the film wants you to think that Army Hammer is worried that he might be a terrorist. Mm. Like, there's some sort of confusion where they both look at each other like, that guy doesn't know what he's going to do, and he doesn't know what that guy's going to do, and they're no longer concerned about the guy who's down the hallway with the gun, and they're more worried about each other. Um, And I... That scene is shot extremely weird, Mm. and I remember looking at that going like, am I supposed to believe that like army, I, I I couldn't figure out what that scene was supposed to mean. Yeah, nobody laughed in my theater, but I could understand that there was like a laughing at Army Hammer, not the guy sneaking. Yeah. Um. So I yeah I don't know. That's that's my like if I can cast something out and just yeah. assume what that crowd is laughing at. Maybe it was that. Maybe it's just and and again like there's no right or wrong answer because like a movie that is just dour is not 
a great experience. A movie that has moments of uplift, if they're not earned, isn't a great experience. And because, like, the people in this film are primarily not real people, it it isn't like it's telling their story faithfully. Like, it, I just don't know what to do with this movie. I, like, yeah. I wonder how you feel about it. Yeah, I, I think that they... I. I kind of was all over the map while watching this film. Um, I think that um, at the beginning of it, I was in a way impressed is not the word, but I was like – it was the first time that I've seen terrorist activities not heightened stylistically like the way – like you know a normal like um like a die hard type movie right it's like oh they come in and they're like oh these scary terrorists yeah. like this was just very straightforward without feeling extreme violence that wasn't bad guys reveling in it but just people just gunning down people with zero care in the world and i was there was something about what it was doing that made me feel uh like to its credit like i was appalled in a way that like i'm not normally just appalled when there's a bunch of people shooting in a movie where like the heroes are going to shoot them back later right it was different than anything else we were seeing you know it was different than the scenes in triple frontier right like this was just like there was something about it that was off-putting in a different way it felt realistic and it felt like yeah terrorism is just an act with no like there's no conscious like oh we're gonna go here and take this building it's like just shoot everyone and just shoot them because and knock on people's doors and when they open it just shoot them and there's not like a we're going to shoot the people we need to to take over this place so that we can make a stance it's like no just kill all the people and mm-hmm. make sure people see you killing it and it, there was something about the way they presented that information or that just the way we were watching it felt strange to me in a way that that i'd never kind of experienced watching these type of films before um so i was kind of like well at least it's doing something compelling a little bit in that way but i think that the reason why i kind of went back and forth not even back and forth but all over the map is because i i felt uncomfortable in other ways that were was really strange like Mm -hmm. so there is in this attack there were 11 people that they knew about i guess and let's just say most of them die right so we don't have the accounts from those people to say whatever they're doing and even if they captured all 11 people Who's to say those people would have said anything other than we were here to kill infidels, right? Like right. there's no there, there's no like manifesto besides kill infidels and make sure the world watches us. So the fact that they make the leader who's talking to them on the phones so evil mm-hmm. and just so disgustingly like there's literally lines where it's just like, oh, leave the speakers on so that we can hear their cries. Yeah. And it, it, it just... very it, heightened. It's very heightened. And, it, and it's in a film that is doing a seemingly good job of just feeling very down to earth and real to make the villain so villainous and make him be this thing where it's like, now it rings false to me. So I'm like, I, it's not that I'm defending the terrorists going like, yeah. well, I don't think they were that bad. It's It's that like... You have you don't know what that conversation was, and you are choosing to write them as the purest form of evil when they're just like zealots, right? Like mm-hmm. they're they're yes, they're evil, they're bad, but you don't know what they were saying, and you're trying to write the evilest thing, the evilest dialogue that you can come up with, and that kind of felt weird. Then you have the problem of it's painfully obvious that all of the guests are just invented characters to give us people to care about because. We just we're going to some random hotel somewhere, and mm-hmm. like 
what if there was just tourists there and that we care about them instantly because we're going to follow these people. And you know that it's like, okay, cool. We're going to follow these few groups of people just long enough to care about them before they get dispatched, right? Like that's what you expect. And I think that like there was something about seeing these like you have the Russian guy who is supposed to be despicable so that he can come redeem himself mm-hmm. at some point. There are like the people who are just like, we don't care about this country. Ha 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 ha. And then like, Oh shit, they have to like really care about this country because they're trapped here. And I feel that like all of the archetypes of these extra characters are there just to pad up this thing with, because they just don't want 90 minutes of straight gunfire. They want to like have downtime where characters can cry together and make you feel for them. And then Let's just show all the old white <laughs> racist people who are scared of beards. Mm-hmm. And it's just like there are things that like you were doing a thing that made me feel one thing. And then now you're making my brain work instead of just my gut reaction to things. And now I just can't like follow what you're doing and nothing seems worth it. Um, not that it felt worth it before, but it's, just, it's a thing where like as you pile on filmic things to this it starts to fall apart in a way that like gets quite annoying. I mm. think. Yeah. I, I definitely see the weird tension there. So for me, the same thing that made it down to earth, like the, the lack of feeling was also a thing that I felt very uncomfortable with because the, and again, I don't know the details of the attack really. Like I remember headlines when it happened, but I didn't like learn very much about it at the time. The, the terrorists, Toward the end of the film, it tries to get into the, like, what are their motives? And, you know, they're also just poor young people who've been, like, told that this is the only way. And there's obviously political stuff of Pakistan and India and, like, the Pakistani people seeing India as having all the wealth and stuff. But that is so, like, that's so undercut by the way that they just care not at all as they're, like, mowing through people. And just, like, the amount of time that is spent, like, watching them, like make no face at all or just smile and keep going is like it's very strange and it's not propaganda either it's just like it's just weird like i i I just found it very weird and uncomfortable i also thought like like it's clear that the guests are invented for us to have like an anchor into the film but it's like it's kind of weird to me too that in, in a movie that is set in a hotel in india where clearly there are guests from all over the world the people that we are meant to care about are Army Hammer and his wife, um, who I, I don't know if she's meant to be, like, Indian in this movie. She's Iranian, like, the actual actress, and her being Muslim means maybe she's meant to be that in, in the movie, too. I don't know. Um, the Russian dude, an Australian backpacker, and, like... Well, so, so they... It's like It's like, oh, but white people also. So, like, that's where you're going to see, like, what you would feel in this moment. So, it's so they, they do address it from the terrorist standpoint within the context of the thing is they want people of wealth with passports that the rest of the world will pay attention to this. So it's not just something that's happening on the other side of the globe mm-hmm. and no one cares. They specifically want to find Americans yeah. um, and things so that where, like, this news coverage goes as far as possible because they don't want this to be an isolated thing where just some people in the area are upset. They want the world to watch. So mm-hmm. I, that sort of makes sense. So that just, makes sense from a who was taken hostage. Yeah, it, like the, the POV. Way they, yeah, the way they wrote those characters is terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, because for me, like the people who show acts of heroism depicted in the movie, 
Uh, so again, I have no idea about the real world implications of these are Dev Patel's character. He is the, the substitute for all staff people who chose to act bravely, right? That, yeah. That's kind of his role. Um, Army Hammer, who is like taking initiative and trying to like go out and find his baby. His actions don't aren't really logical in any way. And I can't really imagine some of the things he does being what people would do in that moment. But I don't know. Um, I mean, people try to be heroes all the time. <laughs> the the Russian guy, but like, it, it's just weird to me that like, it, like it seems like it's only like the white rich people that get to show that they're like braver than their circumstances in a way yeah. that is like kind of odd. And I know it's because I'm supposed to be anchored to them, and that's why. But it just it, it just seemed really weird to me. And even the whole the whole thing, which again, like I'm sure it is a real event, and like. The last few minutes of footage are pretty affecting where, like, every movie based on a real thing, they, like, cut to something about the real-life people involved and talk about that. So, like, it is celebrating the staff members who chose to stay behind. But, like, even the way that's framed where it's, like, the movie starts by showing how insanely luxurious it is and the mantra that the guest is God and then people stay because the guest is God, like... It, it's just like a I mean, it feels I, like a weird one thing to be praising like without giving me examples of like I, I, I don't know it, it, the whole formulation just like made me feel kind of like gross in the in the way it's like look all these people with personality were rescued by staff who think the guest is God we're not going to show you much of the staff but like just know that they all were gunned down to help the, I, I don't know it, so I, I mean I so there there is an aspect to the staffs the, the staffs um, the, the all the staff members in the film that I actually thought was kind of compelling because mm-hmm. it didn't feel like a place where like like the 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 staff members were depicted as like being really proud to be there and yeah. be part of that and like it wasn't just that they were repeating the mantra guest is God and that's why they were staying it was there were people who felt like a duty and an honor and like trying to protect people like there's like I thought there was like a really affecting a couple of really affecting scenes involving uh like one of the women who works at the front desk where mm-hmm. like guns are going off yeah and she immediately grabs the nearest phone and starts dialing room by room yeah. in a way that like you the the terrorists are right there like they're definitely going to hear mm-hmm. you and she selflessly is just dialing room by room saying like there is a security issue please don't open your door for any reason uh, okay, hang up next room and just one by one. And like, yeah. there's little tiny nuggets of these selfless acts of people just like doing something that is clearly not good for them just because they want to protect the people who picked their, that hotel to be in. And like, I, I thought that was like, a, there was several moving displays of people mm-hmm. just wanting to be there without having to say things like guest is God yeah. that like, I, I thought was actually like a touching thing that this film did that like, I enjoyed. So, 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 yeah, I, I agree. There are moments like that, like small things. It just feels like the weight isn't given to that compared to the more like broadly heroic. And maybe it's just a pacing thing because it needs to, it needs to give us something of like, will they, won't they, will they make it? Like, what's going to happen next? Yeah. And the way they do that is by following the guests who are trapped. And so they make it way more about family and how you would risk anything to save your family. And, I, I don't know. It, it, I think its heart is in the right place. I don't feel like this movie is like trying to do something wrong. I just felt I felt so conflicted watching this movie, especially when the beats became like conventional action beats of like scene with Army Hammer in the elevator with a food 
tray like things that like in an action movie you'd be like oh shit he almost got the hero but it, for me i'm just like yeah but they fucking mowed down like 200 people this is terrible like why yeah. am i why am i here like but but yeah, yeah. but I, I think that like it's not just that army's hammer is supposed to be important in that moment it's that a lot of people are being gunned down without warning and like they don't even know what's happening they're just gunned down mm-hmm. and this is like the tension of trying not to be like there, yeah. there is something different to it that's not just about look at the white hero it's right there is something happening that that's more you're supposed to feel it more than just the sudden gosh old woman feet and arms in yeah. the air sort of moment yeah and and i think you do empathize which is why i feel conflicted because i think this movie does pretty well what it wants to do i just like don't i don't know who it's for and yeah. i don't think i'm one of the people that it was for yeah um I also, there are moments, especially toward the beginning of this movie, where it is cutting to news footage or ostensible news footage, and like, dear God, do I, I hope that isn't real footage. It felt but also, if it's not, real. I also like, I was like, that was just the thing where it's like, you're showing me like blood and bodies and stuff, and like this really happened. And then you're cutting to the hotel where people are eating a nice dinner and they don't know what's going on yet, and. It's just weird. It I don't know what the like time is, the statute of limitations, where it becomes like not uncomfortable for me to watch these things depicted because I can watch like a movie about like the Vietnam War or World War Two or something, yeah. and I'm okay with that. But it's just I don't know. It I think it's, a, it's, it's really it's the, strange. It's the senseless. It's, this isn't a war film. This is a film about a senseless act, mm-hmm. and I think that maybe changes it contextually. Um, one thing that this film starts to do towards the end, which I was sort of in my head praising it for in the early part of the film, um, is that, like, as the film started, I was very, very happy that even though the camera starts with the group of terrorists, we don't spend any time getting to know them. They're not important to us. They're just the representation of this terrorist act. And I was glad that it wasn't like, this is Bob and look at him pick up his son from preschool. And then yeah. now he's going off to fight a terrorist thing. Um, but then towards the end of this film, there is one of the terrorists who starts to question whether or not they're doing the right they're, They them, the terrorists are doing the thing that is honorable for them. And then there's one other character who calls his dad to say he loves him. And mm. it's like, we did not need those moments of humanizing those two characters. I mean, first of all, it's a weak humanization. And second of all, like it just, it, it, it was – you had already done so much work to, like, make them just this force. And now, you're like, you want us to care about these characters? Like, it just well, – to, to me, the problem isn't the idea of it. It's too little too late. Like, Because yeah. the idea of, like, trying as they're grappling with – like, let me imagine, and I don't think this is true as far as the production and director and everything goes. It's, like, not, like, Indian necessarily that started this movie. But let, let's, like, imagine that it was, like – people in India were trying to reckon with this, right? Well, a part of reckoning might be, like, let's think about, like, the logic behind and remember that these are also just, like, kids that were talked into doing something terrible because they've been, like, made into zealots, right? And they think that they're going to get, like, their family will get money and they'll be rewarded in heaven and all of this. Yeah. It just feels like an hour and 45 minutes into the movie is way too late to yeah. start trying to do that. Like, in, in, in Captain Phillips, right? Like, that mm-hmm. starts... 
with the the group of pirates, right? Yeah. And you see that, like... Does the, Paul Greengrass just, like, only make this kind of movie? <laughs> Pretty much. But, like, that starts with, with like, from the, the, the pirates' point of view. And you see that, like, this one guy is about to be kind of, like, excommunicated because he can never do anything that's of value. And he's trying to, like, just make a name for himself. And he's in these, like, situations where, like... He doesn't have the best of things, right? It, it You can see that, like, he feels forced in this situation. And you see that he doesn't actually want to hurt the people on the boat. He just wants to steal the boat so that he can be okay back home, right? Like, mm-hmm. so there is a sense of, like, anything that's happening there is not about causing terror and hurting people. It's about a means to an end of trying to, like, make enough money to just survive. And, mm-hmm. like... Whether or not that's a good story to tell, or whether or not that's done in a uh, in a in a in a way that justifies his actions, is not the point. The point is that this is you at least know that this person was not pure evil and that they were doing a bad thing because they were forced into circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. And this is clearly there's no circumstance here. This is just hurt others and make sure others who don't get hurt see that I, I mean there's people. unspoken of like poverty and they've been promised that their family will be protected if they do this thing right like that's definitely like a thing they talk about but my problem with it is there are many not many but at least like six people who we see a lot throughout this movie who are perpetrating these crimes and there's only one that we see have any of these humanizing moments which because, like, I, I get wanting the humanizing because otherwise it's, like, pretty propaganda-y in, in a way that is, like, maybe worse. But humanizing one while the others are, like, just laughing and enjoying it, like, I just don't get what that serves. Like, it, it just feels like I, I, it, 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 it's a weird combination to yeah. me. Especially because even the character who is being humanized, we are still going to want him to get comeuppance in a second. Like, it, the beat is off, too. And, like, there's a moment also that I think is meant to be affecting, and if this were a true story, and again, like, I I know some of the guests are amalgams of real people, at least, like, that's what the director said, and apparently there was quite a bit of research that went into this movie. There's a moment in this movie where a character starts doing a salah, like, the Muslim uh, prayer, that is, like, it's a moment that uh, the character shares with the, uh, the terrorist, if that is not true, I feel like that is such an on-the-nose, like, attempt at turning something meaningful into something that wasn't, like, I really hope that's, like, an actual thing that happened, because otherwise it, it feels like a weird license to take to try to make it more, I, I get, like, what you said, it's trying to reckon with, like, themes of race and religion and stuff like yeah. that, but it, I don't know, just the the, the idea of this movie being semi-true and semi-fictional about a thing that was so terrible that happened not long ago yeah every choice when there's a creative decision it just leaves me in this weird conundrum of like can i criticize that decision and is it cheesy or necessary or is it okay that you're doing this like it it's just weird it's just a very uncomfortable movie for me yeah no agreed uh so should we get to verdicts sure all right, uh, Stephen Miller, if you were going to give this a must-see, reckon with a caveat, wait rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I think I'm going pass with a caveat, where the ca- like the pass is, I don't know why to see this movie. I, I, didn't, I don't feel like I got anything positive out of it. I guess I know more about the event than I used to, and maybe like in the long run, that's going to be a thing that I like feel more 
sympathy or compassion about. But it, the mix just, it was so unpleasant and uncomfortable, and I don't know how to feel, and I don't think the movie does the most responsible job of, like, shepherding us through, like, what is true and what is false. And the, every moment that it turns into a conventional, like, action, intense thriller, I have this, like, the one feeling of, wow, this was pretty well made, and the meta feeling of, like, why the fuck is this well made? Like, why? I don't know. <laughs> so the caveat is, like, it might be really good. <laughs> I, like, it might do what it wants to do really well. I just don't, I don't know why you should want to see this movie unless you have, like, a personal attachment to the source material and seeing the story told is like really powerful to you to me the fictionalization of almost everyone that matters in this movie makes the storytelling part less obvious than it would be if it were like a real person saying this is what happened to me let me tell you my story yeah um so i don't know it it just leaves me feeling gross and unclear even though i think it means well like i'm not angry at the filmmaker i don't think like yeah I don't think they're exploiting something. I just feel like but confused. I, in a way, they are though, because I mean, there is there is a character who is only in like two minutes of the total film, but it's like mm-hmm. split into like a minute and a half at the beginning and then thirty seconds later on. But this character encounters these terrorists moments before the attack. Yeah, the Australian dude, right? Uh, no, one of the staff members. Oh, yeah. Um, like yeah. before the attack begins, he has an altercation on the street with these people, and. Um, let's just say that by the end of this, he doesn't survive. Okay, right. at some point he will perish during the course of this film. If that is a real guess, if if that character, just maybe his mannerisms or something, were based on a real person, he did a solo job away from the hotel, and then later, like, it's not like he was like, oh, by the way, there were some jerks on the street and they had all these backpacks. Those backpacks, you know, th- mm-hmm. there's no connecting that. So this is purely a thing that's written. And so I don't think have... that happened, right? No, no, there's no way that happened. Mm-hmm. So, and even if that character went out to buy some freaking uh, whatever the hell alcohol it was and then came back and, and then got cognac. shot, um, there's no way that he encountered them, right? Like, because right. it, 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 it was like just their way to show that it also happened at Cafe Leopold, I think was one other, like they tried to find a way to show all the different places. Yeah. But but yeah, like to, to me, that's an example of like, you're not doing him an honor and you're not telling his story if he is real it, and you the, can't it's there know all to that. Make, it's there to make his, the tragicness of his death more impactful, more coincidental, more impactful. And then to give another completely different character thoughts about the situation right mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it's it's just a way to add tension to something that has plenty enough tension as it is yeah and then uh, yeah i just i just don't really understand it mm-hmm. and uh my verdict <laughs> yeah. um yeah i mean i i think i like quality wise is probably a pass with the caveat but there's really no reason to see this film mm-hmm. um i i definitely wouldn't recommend it if you saw it i would maybe ask questions <laughs> of you about what you thought of certain parts um but yeah i definitely don't think anybody needs to rush out and see it so maybe i'll bump it down to a must avoid mm. um just because yeah like this is not this is not even one of those films where like i would recommend it to no one but i'm glad i saw it it's just it's a film that i saw and kind of bummed me out not just because of the tone and the mood of it but because of the choices that were made mm. to show and depict certain things that were clearly just there to add more drama to a story that had enough drama and didn't need it 
So, and and I was trying to like grapple with what is it about this kind of story in particular that the fact versus fiction thing really upsets me because, like last year or a year and a half ago, a movie I really liked was Only the Brave, which was a movie about a real tragedy and real people that gets really fucking sad. Like it is yeah. not pulling its punches. And like I loved that movie. I thought it was great. And I think the difference is that if you're like building real characters that are real people, or you are doing something where there are like survivors that you're honoring, I think I can go a lot further. And I get that this movie maybe is in the general because there are staff members who still work at the Taj and this is honoring them. I just feel like if that's what it's trying to do, the weight it gives to them versus other people is not the right like levels. And it, I, I don't know. There's yeah. something about like we're being asked to sympathize with the people who are either not real and or don't make it. And it just makes me not know what it was made for. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's probably going to do it for this review of Hotel Mumbai. So hopefully you enjoyed the review more than we enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they find you? People can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. Um, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can uh, use the contact form on our site. The music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Hotel Mumbai, so hopefully you're enjoying that. And, uh, yeah, speaking of the soundtrack, <laughs> there is one moment where they, like, do this diegetic thing, which yeah. is just there because somebody thought it was super fucking artistic, and it kind of made me really mad. Well, it's also, it, it's it, the cliche of a movie that is based in in this part of the world, too, is to have that, like, type of soundtrack suddenly appear, and to have it be, like, fake diegetic in a completely unrealistic but, way. But that's the thing, is there is beauty to the sound of sure. that, which is why it's like, okay, you're, like, well, it's a little cliche, but it's cool, it, not cool, but, it, like, it's fine because it sounds, but then the person who is singing it flips it all <laughs> like it just does a thing where you're like wait a second what and then it just uh, it, and it's like it's like a call to prayer sound too which would be happening at that time of day but it's uh, yeah I don't, I don't get that decision either yeah um but yeah there, there can be like beauty in the sadness right but i don't think by that character yeah oh definitely not that character um but yeah sorry to digress as we're almost out of the episode um but we will leave you now Hopefully you enjoyed our reviews of Dumbo this week and then also Hotel Mumbai. We'll be back next week from with something. Actually, yeah, so this one thing that should be mentioned, just one more thing real fast, is um, in the next two weeks, basically, uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of things at the SF Film Festival. Um, so the schedule is going to be crazy, weird. I don't know when episodes are going to be coming out because I know at least I have like 15 straight days of movies yeah. with like maybe one day off and then... Um, somewhere in and, there. And whenever I, like, am not seeing a movie, it's because I'm going to be, like, traveling. <laughs> so. Yeah, so the next few weeks will be crazy. Um, if you want to get crazy... We can get crazy. Um, the next few weeks will be pretty crazy. Schedule, um, you will not be able to see 
some of the things that we're talking about. Some of the things you will be, because literally Stephen and I booked a bunch of films, and then I went and saw The Hummingbird Project, which mm-hmm. is also in your feed like a few episodes ago, and literally half those movies played as trailers before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're the all thing. coming out soon. Yeah, so they're, these films... Some very soon, yeah. like maybe like a week after we see it. Yeah, them. maybe even the same week we yeah. see it. But so this is not quite going to be like Tribeca last year, where like some of those films still aren't out. This is going to be like, soon you will see them, so hopefully you enjoy those episodes. Some you will probably never see, though. Also, we will definitely be recording them in our studio and not, like, hunched around a table in an apartment in in New York at 3 in the morning. So... Hopefully those will be full, nice, normal episodes. Hopefully, and we're gonna those. fit Shazam in there somehow. I think. Yeah, and then also when all of that is said and done, Avengers Endgame will be here. I yeah. think. Um, so, I mean, you got lots to look forward to. <laughs> um, but yeah, all right, we'll be back next week. Bye. <laughs>